Oh, wow. That was so humbling and you're all so special. Thank you so much for your hearts and thank you guys. Um, Tim and Bonnie, so special to have you as friends and and even that you would invite me to speak today. I really want to thank you. You have such great leaders, pure-hearted, wonderful people. Amazing. When I, I'm here, I'm just encouraged for this nation. When I see how God has raised fathers and mothers in the faith who really care, you know. They're not all like, just read the Mirror Bible. You know, God will show you. They're like, they warn you. They care enough about you to, to get in your face and to call. You know, the word talks about like, woe to those who call what's right wrong and what's wrong right. Like, I love that. It's sharpening and it's really beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I'm sad about our little movie, but yeah, if it, if it starts to work, if it just comes under waves, so I stop talking. I might hear it anyway. But, um, it's just a little glimpse into our world. It's visual and it's like, it just shows you uh, the contrast, I guess, of life here and life there. Um, some of you guys, who were in the team last year, who came? I'm seeing familiar faces. Hey, Georgie. Jason, I see, and Haley at the back, all you guys, quite a few of you came, and um, we were so blessed. We didn't even know at the time how much we needed your team to come, but thank you for those who came, but also thank you for you guys who were here praying and sending them. Um, That's so cool. Hallelujah. Oh, yay. So just to give you guys a little bit of a glimpse into our world, I still get teary when I watch that. Um, I don't usually watch it when I'm there, so it's always when I'm not there that I watch it, and I'm like, oh, that's my home. Um, We've been there nearly nine years, and um, we love it, you know? It's funny, I hear Tim going, we just felt for them, it's harsh and it's hard there. I'm like, there's nowhere else I'd rather be, you know, like, I, I... I've heard people sort of be like, oh, you know, life's hard as a missionary. But if you don't love the place that God calls you to, there's something really wrong, right? We, you know, we're only there because God gave us a heart for that place. And please don't feel sorry for us. We, we really, really are blessed. Um, so, oh, I just really feel God's presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. These beautiful people on Mother's Day. So first I want to send greetings from, from Alice Springs, from our little family. They all know that um, we're here with you today on Mother's Day. So just please receive our love, not just from us, but from our mob and our clan back there. And um, I want to say this is my first time in Bundaberg and um, Jesse and Daniel, our very first time. We've never been here. It's like you talked about heavenizing earth. Wow, you've got lavender farms and rum factories and ginger beer and sugar cane and sweet place, beach. You've got so many beautiful, glorious things in Bundaberg, right? I, we were just driving around the last couple of days. We were just we're happy to be here. Thank you so much. Um, so 
I want to bring some encouragement to you today. I noticed uh, on your Mother's Day invitation um, on Facebook, I was looking, I was tagged, and it, it had the scripture um, from, what is it, Isaiah 66. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. So it's Mother's Day. Is everyone hearing me up the back all right? Yeah? It's Mother's Day, so I thought I would stay on that theme of comfort. Who knows we need it, especially in these days? Would you agree? Quite a lot going on globally. Um, you know, you, you might have ginger beer tasting in the beach, but you still have COVID. <laughs> and you still have wars and rumors of wars. Um, you, could, you could have everything in the world. You could be out on the Great Barrier Reef floating with your turtles and still feel lonely in your heart. You know, there's, there's things that human beings have longing for that we can't even really put into words. We're deep people made in the image of God. And our hearts yearn because his heart yearns. We love because he first loved us. And being emotional people that God created, we need comfort. So this Isaiah 66, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. I felt it was good timing. It wasn't just a little cute thing for Mother's Day. It's like, actually, this is, you know, we're going we're gonna to open this up a little bit more. You know? Hallelujah. Um, I think one of the biggest things that stop us as Christians receiving comfort from God um, is a blockage in our understanding of his promises, um, of what he has written in the word, misinterpretations. In order for me to receive comfort from God, I need truth. And there's a lot that's opposing truth at this moment. You know, the Bible warns about different uh, messages and doctrines and grow up, be mature. So you don't get tossed around with every wind of doctrine that blows through. Oh, someone's written this cool thing called the Mirror Bible or someone's talking about this or someone's talking about that. Like, if we're not mature, we're going to just... Look how much is available to us on the internet right now. Every little person's a prophet or an apostle out there, right? <laughs> I, I <laughs> you know, God, he doesn't have to use us. He doesn't need to use us. But those who are yielded to him, he likes to use us. And I, I find that a miracle that God would even want to. Little earthen vessels, little jars of clay that we are. You're beloved. We're beloved. I'm his beloved, but I'm also as grass. He one day gone the next. And um, being usable by God is knowing that we're nothing. We're, we're actually clay. We're just in his hand, empty vessels. Well, we hope we're empty. The, the goal is to be as empty as possible so he can flow through us. 
which is just, yeah, anyway, a little prelude. But here's my message about comfort. I was hearing this in the middle of the night, so I'm assuming it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Sometimes things are going wrong because something's wrong, but not always. So here's some examples. Something's going wrong because something's wrong. Right. Someone books in to the pastor and says, I've just come back from the doctor. I'm, my blood tests have come back. I've got diabetes, you know, and... Oh, thank you so much, Siri, Google. She's trying to give me comfort on Mother's Day. She just heard me. She said, I'm always here for you. Oh. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, so, so this guy, I'm just, just hypothetically, stay with me. This guy, this guy is upset with his life, okay? He's got diabetes. And the pastor's like, I'm so sorry, you know, you're going through this. And the guy, that's not only what's going on. My wife is talking about leaving me as well. Okay. There's a couple of things wrong in his life. He's got some big stuff going on. And the pastor digs a little bit. Well, how, how did you get diabetes? What's going on? What's your diet like, you know? This guy's eating KFC a few times a week. Ice cream and Coca-Cola every single day. Okay. Something's wrong because something's wrong. Just saying. If there's anyone in here with diabetes, I'm not picking on you. Love you. Okay. So, okay, let's deal with your, what's going on with your relationship? Digs a little bit. The guy's looking at other girls on the internet. Okay. Something's wrong because something's wrong. Okay, so that's just two examples of something's wrong because something's wrong. Now, there are also times that something's wrong, but it's not because something's wrong. I mean, did you do weird things in the chemical lab in China and cause COVID yourself personally? No. Did you get affected by it? Yes. If you haven't had it yet, you probably have had lockdowns and masks and travel restrictions and government overreach and, you know, something's wrong, but you haven't done anything wrong. So, you know, that's just one, one example of that. I feel like Today, God wants to comfort you in those situations. Like, there's a lot going on in this world at the moment. But it might not necessarily be because something spiritually is wrong, necessarily. I mean, except that there's a lot wrong. But this is where we're at. It was prophesied. It's, it's the hour that we're living in. Would you agree? And so God wants to comfort you with his truth that he is in control. 
It says in Matthew 28, Jesus said to them in verse 18, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So if you've got something happening in your life and things all around the planet it seem to be getting going from bad to worse, it's not like Jesus and the devil are having this little arm wrestle on the table and the devil's winning sometimes and then Jesus pushes back a little bit and, oh no, the news is terrible tonight, the devil's just got another wind of energy. There is no competition with Jesus. This is your comfort today. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. <laughs> and none of this surprises him. And when you are hidden in him, you are hidden in the cleft of the rock. Now, the Bible doesn't say that he will spare you from the earth's groaning, the earth's shaking. It says that the sons and daughters of God will be revealed as the earth groans. True? So if the earth is groaning and shaking, it's your chance to be revealed. What does a child of God look like? <gasps> it's shaking. No, we have him who doesn't shake. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's good news. That's the gospel. And that won't move. I think, like, there is, there is scriptures that are like, you know, the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's come so that we've got life. So every time there's something bad, it's the devil. And every time something's good, it's God. I can see how people in the elementary faith get confused. But I'm choosing to look deeper in the scriptures. Uh, let's go somewhere that's not usually very trendy, all right? Stay with me. Let's use Job as an example. Chapter 1, verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, I've come from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? God's like bragging on him. There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless. He's upright. He fears me. He shuns evil. God knows everything. So when he said to Satan, where have you been, man? And Satan says, I've been wandering around the earth having a look what's going on. God knew what he was doing. He didn't need that answer. But it was like, perfect answer. Have you seen Job? He's pretty cool. He fears me. He's blameless. He's upright. So, Satan said, he basically said to God, you've blessed the work of his hands, and that's why he loves you. He's rich. You've given him all these blessings. That's why Job loves you. And the Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything that he has is in your power. But on the man's life, don't lay a finger. In other words, 
Satan had to get permission to touch Job's possessions and Job, you know, affect his life. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to one, right? If you see evil on the earth, it's not because God's not in control. And this is the comfort that we have, okay? So the point of it was Satan's all like, he only loves you because you bless him. And he said, well, let me see you take the blessings away. We get to chapter 13. You know, he had gone through so much. All of Job's animals and stock were killed or stolen. Job's children die. Job gets sores all over his body and his wife and friends turn against him. But in chapter 13, verse 13, this is what he says. Keep silent, let me speak. Why do I put myself in jeopardy and take my life in my hands? Though he slays me, yet will I trust him. Did Job pass a test? Did he make a spectacle of the enemy? Hallelujah. When there's trials and shakings and testings on the earth like right now, the comfort is, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It's time to yield to the Lord. Another example that not everything bad that's happening is because, you know, what the devil's doing. Isaiah 45, verse 7, I'm the Lord. There is no other apart from me. There is no God. There's some comfort. I will strengthen you, even though you haven't acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light, and I create darkness. I bring prosperity, and I create disaster. I, the Lord, do all of these things. Isaiah 45, verse 7. It's gone really quiet in here. I told you it wasn't a really trendy little charismatic message. I warned you. Did I not? It's in the word right there. Okay, it's full of the Bible today. 1 Peter 4. Verse 12, another perspective on suffering. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. Does that sound familiar? As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or because you've had too much KFC or because you're looking at girls on the internet. That kind of suffering is not the suffering we're talking about here. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. Let it start with me, Lord. And if it begins with us, 
What will the outcome be for those who don't obey the gospel, the good news? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Some people say, does God ever will it that people suffer? Right here in black and white, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. All right, let's just let that go in a little bit. Isaiah 42, when, when, when you pass through the waters, he's going to be with you, right? When you go through the fire, you'll not be burned. Not if, but when. Jesus didn't promise you that it was going to be completely smooth sailing once you gave your life to him. But he is saying, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like it's getting towards the end of the age. The earth's groaning more and more for sons to be revealed and daughters to be revealed. Thank you, Jesus. I want to I comfort you. I don't want to spin you out or freak you out. I just want you to know that if some people are saying, you know, he suffered so you wouldn't have to suffer on this earth, it's a lie. It's ear-tickling nonsense. It's not real. Comfort comes from truth, right? You've got a really beautiful place here and currently pretty peaceful. You've had these waves of, co of COVID. If I was to stand here and prophesy, everything's good now, that was just then, and you're going from, you know, this beautiful glory to glory, it's always going to be perfect. Like, I'm, I'm not being a good mom, right? As a mother comforts a child, so will I comfort you. Mothers aren't there just to coddle babies forever. We raise up children into adults who are mature. And mature adults don't get buffered around in the shaking times. We went, you know, when, it, when, it, when things shake, when life in Central Australia is lonely and dry and dusty and isolating and there's crime everywhere and we miss our families, that's not the time to go. That's the time to go. I was born for this. I was born for such a time as this, for this assignment. So when you get a chance to stand in shaking, rejoice. He's with you. Take comfort. I'm going to share a couple of little stories because I don't know how long I've got, but um, let me encourage you. Um, some things from home. So <laughs> this one woman... Um, must have been a couple of months ago now. We were in church. We have fun church. And she gets up. She's like tiny. She's like Bonnie's size, you know, little little woman. She's not she's not <laughs> big in spirit, but she's little. And she's got bare feet. And she's got baggy tracksuit. And she stands up and she says I want you to all know, things have been really hard for me since 
my son went into a wheelchair and we all kind of, the room got quiet, we looked off to the side and there's this, he's maybe 10 or 11 year old boy in a wheelchair and she clearly doesn't have a husband there to support her. And she said, and things have been harder lately, she said, we don't have any housing, we've been waiting for a house. And she said, but you have to know I'm here to say I'm really, really, really happy because I have Jesus and because I have his word and because I'm saved. I'm just so happy. And she said, I was reading the Bible just last night and I read how there was a little girl that died and Jesus went and said, it's time to rise up. And she rose up. And she said, this is the time on the earth where we need to be rising up. And there was like this spirit of revival that just shot out over the place. And I'm like, there's some authority. You know, smooth weather sailors, they don't have much authority. They haven't been through much. But when a little woman with no provision, with no covering, with no husband, with no house, and with a disabled child stands up and says, it's time to rejoice and it's time to rise up because of Jesus and his word and our salvation, you listen to that. A daughter was revealed that day. And it wasn't because everything was good, it was because of shaking that she got revealed. Those are the ones I'm listening to. Those are the ones that are encouraging me. I remember, um, I have one little story that I also felt God to share that's more personal. I wasn't going to share it, but I felt the Lord wanted me to. And because it involves you all as a family, as a church family. Um, I'll start at the beginning. When I got married to Daniel... 22 years ago in November, straight away we were just thrilled. We, you know, within a year or so we were ready to have a child and we welcomed our first son. And a little bit over two years later, with no, nothing different or unusual, we welcomed our second son and we were overjoyed. Cute little round, blonde-headed, blue-eyed babies. We loved them so much. and We just have loved being parents to them. Um, so he was born when I was 24, our second child. Within a couple of years, we were ready to go again. And nothing. And nothing, and nothing. So last year... I guess just a couple of months before you guys arrived, in, at the end of May, our oldest turned 18. And I was a couple of months off my 40th. And I thought, oh, well, I guess that's it. The Lord's given us two, and aren't we blessed? That's, you know, it would have been nice to have had more children, and I aspired to have a big family and loved being parents, but... God owes us nothing, and he gave us two beautiful, healthy children, and we've been able to travel and do ministry school and be missionaries in uncomfortable situations, and 
all the rest. So there was 101 reasons to just be grateful and close that chapter. Well, two days before my 40th birthday, I'm eating something feeling really weird. It's been 14 years. Took a test, I'm pregnant. And I, I'm literally, it's right on my 40th, so I'm, I'm chatting to all of my family, like, my, you know, you can't talk to your mum on FaceTime for your birthday and not tell her the most amazing news in 14 years that's ever happened, you know. So I'm telling everyone. Usually you'd wait a little bit, wouldn't you? Not this time. Everyone I speak to on the phone knows. And everyone's thrilled. And, and I'm getting all these prophetic words of, you know, it's your 40 years, it's your promised land. This is your baby that, you know, like it's your 40th. You've come into your promised land. You're going to complete your family. And this was right on the 22nd of July, my birthday. That was Wednesday. Friday night hits. I'm bleeding and cramping and losing the baby. By Sunday, everything is finished. And two weeks later, your team turn up. And I was so weak. I, I honestly, like, <laughs> Tim saw, like, last night, remember this when that happened? I'm like, that whole time felt like such a blur. I'm so grateful you still want to be friends with us. All you guys, not only were we, you know, grieving and just depleted I then got we got quite sick we picked up some virus and we were moving house at the same time and your beautiful team came in and just packed everything up and took it over to our new place and um, you know when you send teams out and you're like yeah they're going to bring revival I mean they might I hope they do but you don't know the purposes and the plans of God they stopped for us. That beautiful team stopped for us. And Georgie and Jason, at the, one of the last days, they sat and had lunch with us. And just we shared hearts. And it was a really beautiful time. But let me get, we'll go back two weeks again to that, that weekend that it was all happening for me. I remember on the Saturday thinking, lying really still and praying, Lord, just let this pass. Let this just be nothing. And... I said to the Lord, look, I'm just going to, I'll know. If it's supposed to go ahead, this pregnancy, I'll know it. But if not, I just pray that you'll, you know, show me. And we, I mean, we did everything. We just, you know, we said no to Satan and, you know, we, we bound up all of the things. All the things that we could do, we did. But I just knew on the, on the Sunday, I'd been bleeding all day on the Saturday, I was rusted on to lead worship, and I was presented with this option. Get up, have a shower, go to church and lead worship, or stay in my bed and cry. And I remember just wrestling with it and going, nope, this is my one chance. This is my one chance to bring God something that costs me something, you know? Oh, gosh, I didn't want this to be a depressing message. <laughs> but that, that morning when I led worship and it was glorious, I was like, finally, I have something to give to God that's of worth. I get to worship him through this pain. 
And we won't get to do that in heaven, right? There'll be no pain. Did you read the word? Did you read that book? God will wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll be no sorrow, no death, no crying, no sickness. We get one little chance here in this life to worship him through whatever. So use it and let it be a glorious, glorious incense to the one who is worthy. There is no one like him. He is worthy. He owes us nothing, but he gives us everything. He gave us his very son. And you guys are real Christians. I can see you love him. I can see your hearts. And it's beautiful and glorious. So just a couple little stories to encourage you. Be comforted as a mother comforts her child, so he comforts us. Amen. <laughs> he sent the comforter. It's always when we're in that place of discomfort that we need the comforter, don't we? I love that thought, hey. That's like, in the midst of the shaking, it's where the sons and daughters of God get revealed. Anyone else? Do that speak to anyone else? In the midst of the shaking, in the midst of the challenge, in the midst of the battle, it's where you have an opportunity to come under it or go, no, I'm going to trust in my Lord. You know, we've all been through battles. There's all been all kinds of stuff going on in all kinds of you know, from all kinds of angles, but God. He is faithful. He is good. He is true. He is just. And the best is yet to come. It is yet. It is. In the midst of whatever else is going to happen around us, the best is yet to come. Because a bride is being prepared, dressed in fine white linen, which stands for the righteous acts of the saints. A bride is being re pre prepared for the groom. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything this morning, if you need some comfort, need some prayer, need some encouragement, please come down the front. Liz and the team of others are here. And, you know, um, I'm sure these, these guys probably don't mind either. They're giving me the nod, so that's good. Katie and Daniel will be here to like to pray for you. Um, we want to do that. Please don't forget that there, there's, um, there's some people gathering in the, around the tables already to pass out the Mother's Day cupcakes, the flowers. Haley's down there with her camera. If you want to take a precious photo before you go today, please do that. But we're going to close today, uh, this or this time together, with Raise a Hallelujah. It ends up being pretty appropriate appropriate in the end, hey. <laughs> See, I'm not very good with words sometimes. That's why I'm amazing I got that Francois de Troyes out, you know. I can't even say appropriate. Like, you know, like, whoa. I want to encourage you to raise a hallelujah. In the presence of your enemies, louder than the unbelief. In the midst of the battle, in the midst of the circumstance. I never forget. I, is that all right? I never forget the day of Graham's 
funeral, celebration, thanksgiving of his life, where we stood right to the end. It's the first time in my spirit I believe someone could be raised from the dead. That's where I was that day. I never forget the Thanksgiving service that we had out at Des Allen's. And at the end, we started to sing this song. And everybody in that place just rose. And you could hear it shaking the foundations of the building, literally. And I remember because Neil was still there at the time at Des Allen's, you know, and there were, and there were others that were going, I don't get this. One of the guys that worked at Den, Des Allen's says, I don't get this. And it's like, what don't you get? How come they're singing hallelujah at a funeral? I don't get this. It's because Satan didn't win. God won. And we're all going to see him again. So in the midst of whatever, come and raise a hallelujah. Hallelujah.